Section number 40 of Narratives of Colored Americans. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Jacqueline Burrell Walton. Narratives of Colored Americans by Abigail Mott and M.S. Wood. Solomon Bailey. In the narrative of his own life, Solomon Bailey says, The Lord tried to teach me his fear when I was a little boy, but I delighted in vanity and foolishness and went astray. But he found out a way to overcome me and to cause me to desire his favor and his great help. And although I thought no one could be more unworthy of his favor, Yet he did look on me and pity me in my great distress. I was born a slave in the state of Delaware and was one of those that were carried out of Delaware into the state of Virginia. The laws of Delaware did say that slaves carried out of that state should be free, and I asserted my right to freedom, for which I was put on board of a vessel and sent to Richmond where I was put in jail and in irons and thence sent in a wagon back into the country. On the third day after we left Richmond, in the bitterness of my heart, I was induced to say, I am past all hope. But it pleased the Father of mercy to look upon me, and he sent a strengthening thought into my heart, that he had made the heavens and the earth was able to deliver me. I looked up to the sky and then on the trees, and the ground, and I believed in a moment that if he could make all these, he was able to deliver me. Then did that scripture come into my mind, they that trust in the Lord shall never be confounded. I believed it and got out of the wagon unperceived and went into the bushes. There were three wagons in company. When they missed me, they looked round some time for me, but not finding me, they went on. And that night I traveled through thunder, lightning, and rain a considerable distance. His trials and difficulties in getting along were many and various. But at Petersburg, he met a man from his neighborhood, circumstanced like himself. They got a small boat, went down James River, and landed on the eastern shore of Chesapeake Bay, and traveled to Hunting Creek, where their wives were. But this he's we found little or no satisfaction for we were hunted like partridges on the mountains his poor companion being threatened again with slavery and attempting to escape was pursued and killed on which solomon makes the following remarks now reader you have heard of the end of my fellow sufferer but i remain as yet a monument of mercy thrown up and down on life's tempestuous sea sometimes feeling an earnest desire to go away and be at rest, but I travail on in hopes of overcoming at my last combat. It being thought best for me to leave Virginia, I went to Dover and Delaware, the distance of about 120 miles. By traveling in the night and laying by in the daytime, he at length reached that place, but not without great difficulty from being hunted and pursued. In concluding this part of his narrative, he says, 
Oh, what pains God takes to help his otherwise helpless creatures. Oh, that his kindness and care were more considered and laid to heart. And then there would not be that cause to complain that the ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider, but they would see that they are of more value than many sparrows, and that they are not their own, but bought with a price. Now unto the king, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be glory and honor, dominion and power, now and forever. Amen. In the second part of his narrative, he proceeds by remarking seventh month, 24th, 1799. I got to Camden where my master soon came from Virginia and found me. Though he had not seen me since, he put me on board the back country wagon, nearly three or four hundred miles from Camden. Upon first sight, he asked me what I was going to do. I said, now master, I have suffered a great deal and seen a great deal of trouble. I think you might let me go for little or nothing. He said, I won't do that, but if you will give me 40 pounds bond and good security, you may be free. After much conversation between them on the subject of his right to freedom, he continues. Finally, he sold my time for $80 and I went to work and worked it out in a shorter time than he gave me. And then I was a free man. And when I came to think that the yoke was off my neck and how it was taken off, I was made to wonder and admire and to adore the order of kind providence, which assisted me in all my way. Here he very feelingly recites the trials and exercises of mind that attended him for not adhering to that wisdom and goodness of his creator, which had been so marvelously manifested for his deliverance and then proceeds to relate the circumstances respecting his wife and children. My wife was born a slave and remained one until she was 32 years of age. When her master, falling out with her, proposed sending her with my eldest daughter about three months old into the back country. To go with her I knew not where, or to buy her at his price, brought me to a stand. But by the pleading of his wife and little daughter, he agreed to let me have her for $133 and a third, which is 31 pounds Virginia money. I paid what money I had saved since paying for my own freedom and the rest as I earned it, and she was manumitted. But I had one child in bondage, my only son, and having worked through the purchase of myself and wife, I thought I would give up my son to the ordering of divine providence. So we worked and rented land and got along 12 or 13 years when my son's master died and his property had to be sold and my son among the rest at public sale. The backwoodsmen having come over and given such large prices for slaves, it occasioned a great concern to come over my mind. And I told it to many of my friends, and they all encouraged me to buy him. But I told them I could have no heart to do it, because at his master's death, he was appraised at $400. However, I went to the sale. When the crier said, a likely young Negro fellow for sale, and then asked for a bid, I said, $200. 
As soon as I made this bid, a man that I feared would sell him to the backwoods men bid $333, which beat down all my courage, but a thought struck me. Don't give out so. And I bid one shilling, but they continued to bid until they got him up to $360. And I thought I could do no more. But those men who had engaged to be my securities encouraged me. And some young men who were present and had their hearts touched with a feeling of my distress said, Solomon, if you will make one more bid, we will give you $5 apiece. So I turned round and said, one shilling. So he was knocked off to me at $360 and a shilling. This was in the year 1813. Then I believed that God would work and none could hinder him and that a way would be made for me, though I knew not how. And I confess the eyes of my mind appeared to be dazzled as I was led into a sight of the great goodness of the highest in undertaking for me. But I felt a fear lest my behavior should not be suitable to the kindness and favor shown toward me. Oh, that all men would study the end of their creation and act accordingly. Then they would walk in the light of his countenance indeed, and in his name rejoice all the day, and in his righteousness forever be exalted. Then should their sun in smiles decline and bring a peaceful night which may all who read these lines desire and seek and obtain through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the account of his mother, he says, she was born of a woman brought from Guinea about the year 1690, then about 11 years old. She was brought into one of the most barbarous families, and though treated hard, she had many children and lived to a great age. My mother had 13 sons and daughters and served the same cruel family until they died. Then great distress and dispersion took place. Our young mistress married and brought our family out of the state of Virginia into the state of Delaware. But by their removing back to Virginia, we were entitled to our freedom. In attempting to recover it by law, we were sold and scattered wide. My father and two of his children were taken unaware and sent to the West Indies. My mother was in the house at the time, but made her escape, leaving a child about 11 months old, which some kind friend carrying to her she took, and traveling through Delaware went into New Jersey. We were separated about 18 years, except that I once visited her and carried her 17 or 18 dollars, which in my circumstances was a sacrifice. But I was favored to find that satisfaction, which I esteemed more time or money. Being thoughtful about my mother, I sent for her to come to the state of Delaware. And when we were brought together, it was very comfortable. And we could sit and tell of the dangers and difficulties we had been through. She lived to a great age and departed without much complaint, like one falling asleep. An account of my eldest daughter, Margaret, who died in the 24th year of her age. She was a pleasant child in her manners and behavior, yet fond of gay dress and new fashions. Yet her mind was much inclined to her book and to read good lessons. 
and it pleased the father of mercy to open her understanding to see excellent things out of his law and to convince her that it was his will she should be holy here and happy hereafter but custom habit and shame seemed to chain her down so that she appeared like one halting between two opinions but about a month before she was taken for death she went to a meeting under a concern about her future state and the meeting appeared to be favored with the outpouring of the spirit of love and of power margaret came home under great concern of mind and manifested a wonderful change in her manners and behavior i believe the whole family were affected at the sight of the alteration which indeed appeared like that of the prodigal son coming home to his father for my own part i felt fear and great joy such was her delight to read the bible and ask the meaning of certain texts of scripture which evidence a concern to make sure work for eternity in this frame of mind she was taken for death she appeared very desirous to live for the first four weeks but was very patient and of a sweet temper and disposition all the time i recollect but one instance when she was known to give way to peevish fretfulness then i feeling the evil spirit striving to get the advantage of her very tenderly and earnestly admonished her not to regard trifles but to look to that power which was able to save her and from that time she became passive and resigned the following two weeks her pain was great and baffled all the force of medicine a few days before her departure she was urged with much brokenness of heart to make confession when she was led into a view of the vanity of the world with all its glittering snares and said she could not rest till her hair was cut off for she said i was persuaded to plait my hair against my father's advice and i used to tie up my head when father would come to see me and hide ruffles and gray dress from him and now i cannot rest till my hair is cut off i said no my daughter let it be till thee gets well she answered oh no cut it now so i to pacify her took and cropped it after this she appeared filled with raptures of joy and talked of going as if death had lost its sting this was about three days before her departure and she seemed to have her senses as long as she could speak a little before her speech left her she called us all one by one held out her hand bade us farewell and looked as if she felt that assurance and peace that destroy the fear of death and while she held out her hands she earnestly charged us to meet her in heaven i desire now to give the pious a brief account of the life and death of my youngest daughter leah bailey who departed this life the twenty seventh of seventh month eighteen twenty one aged twenty one years and six months she from a child was more weakly and sickly than her sister margaret and the thought of her leaving here in this ill-natured world caused me many serious moments but the great parent of all good and the greatness of his care took her away and relieved me of the care of her forever weakness of body and mind appeared in her as she grew up and an inclination to vanity and idleness 
but being bound out under an industrious mistress to learn to work and to have schooling, her mind soon became inclined to her book and then to business. Her schoolmistress gave her a little book concerning some pious young people that lived happily and died happily and were gone to heaven, namely, young Samuel, that little child who served the Lord, lived undefiled. Like young Abijah, I must be, that good things may be found in me. Young Timothy, that blessed youth, who sought the Lord and loved the truth. I must not sin as others do, lest I lie down in sorrows too. These blessed examples won her heart so as to bury every other enjoyment. She seemed to possess as great a deadness to the world as any young woman I ever observed. She seemed not ashamed to read in any company, white or colored and she read to the sick with intense desire, which appeared from her weeping and solid manner of behavior. She seemed to desire to walk in the fear of the Lord all the day long, and everybody that observed her remarked her serious, steady behavior. She seemed as if she was trying to imitate those good children whom she read about, and so continued until she was taken sick. And though her sickness was long and sharp, yet she bore it like a lamb. A few days before her decease, I was noticing how hard she drew her breath. She looked very wistful at me and said, Oh, Father, how much I do suffer. I answered, Yes, my dear, I believe thee does. Then after a long pause, she said, But I think I never shall say I suffered too much. This I apprehended was extorted from a view of the sufferings of Christ and her own imperfections. The day she died, she called us all one by one, and, like her sister Margaret, held out her hand, and with much composure of mind, bade us farewell, as if she was only going a short walk and to return. The last accounts of Solomon Bailey say that he was very diligent and faithful in his calling, laboring not only for the souls of his brethren, but for their bodies also, by setting them the best example he was capable of, and cultivating his land to the best advantage, and by improving his plans to show the natives, as well as the immigrants, the usefulness and comforts of civilized life. End of section 40